0: He's Brazilian, he only costs 50 million, and we really think he's fucking brilliant, Richard. Hello,
1: and welcome to a summer special of the N17 podcast. Uh, tonight I'm joined by Glenn. Yo, I'm joined by Eddie who's actually trying to get the episode wrapped quick so you can watch Love Island, you know? Just guy just gotta just got expose him a little bit. <laughs>
2: listen, listen. Certain man certain men that are in the pod are also watching it day by day. So let's yeah,
1: not To be fair, we all are that the N seventeen chat is just uh transfer rumours and Love Island chat. Um I'm sure some of the proper football men will be very upset with us. Um but yeah, another <laughs> proper football man joining us is Jed. Yes, yes, what are you saying, you're right. How are we doing? All good, all good, man. All good.
2: Excited, excited to see what's going to happen
1: over the summer. Yeah, I saw a tweet today. Um, It was by Trunk, and he was saying that this is like the first summer in so long where I feel like the whole Spurs fan base is feeling very excited going into the season. Whereas like under Jose, it was like, oh God, like I'm done with football. Like, do you remember that game when we, um when we drew with Palace to get sixth and he was going crazy on, on the touchline? And yeah. like everyone was just like, I'm just ready for a break now. I'm ready for a break. And then last summer we had, we didn't have a manager for like a hundred days, so it couldn't be any different with um, the transfer business that has uh, concluded very quickly. Um, seems that we've got most of our incomings already sorted ahead of the uh, South Korean tour. Um, and I think the first place to start with that is Richarlison, and um, who better to go to? than the Everton correspondent, Glenn. Um, (laughs) (laughs) As soon as
3: I I heard a wind-up, it's like, oh, here we go. go. Who better to go to?
1: (laughs) To be fair, to be fair, like, I think all of us kind of changed our opinion in terms of, when we first saw the the rumours of Richarlison, I think people weren't really thinking in that sense of like, oh, it's going to be five subs next season. We're going to need like a lot of depth. And it was like, why are we spending 60 million on someone who's not going to start? Um, but I'd say probably the whole fan base has is, is kind of like changed their, their thinking on that. And I think unanimously, everyone's super excited. Glenn, how, how did you feel at the start of it when you were first linked, when we were first linked with him? And how are you feeling now? That he's I, in the door? I feel like at the start, I was
3: kind of looking at it. Bergvine, the, in the sense that Bergvine wanted to go. Like, he he wants to go. And it's very rare that you get a player that wants to leave and then you upgrade straight away. You normally replace them with, like, a similar level or a young player. but Well, in Spurs' past, we've normally replaced, like, the players that want to leave with the younger player who may develop into the sort of level that the player's left or maybe a, a player that's not quite as good. But to upgrade on a player that wants to leave straight away, I thought... Yeah, it's not bad. And then I was thinking into it more and more. He can play in all three front positions. So you're, you're possibly saving an extra 30 million by not having to sign a striker. And it, I, I know 60 million is a lot of money and everyone's saying, oh, he's a backup, he's a backup. But he can compete for places. It's now pushing Son. If he has that off two, three weeks that he had this season, Richarlison can come in. If Kulusevsky doesn't turn up at the start of the season, he, he can get replaced by... Uh, Richarlison. I think Kane often has periods where he needs a rest. Richarlison can come in, and it doesn't really weaken the first eleven as much as it may have in the past if Bergwijn would have had to come in.
1: Yeah, it's like a it's a super minor drop off from um, a starter. Like I would say sub player, but it's probably. Not even the way to think about it anymore. Jed, what do you think um Richardson's gonna bring to Spurs? Uh
0: South American, that Latin shithousery. Uh, <laughs> but no, I'm 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 looking I'm definitely looking forward to it, man. It's um it's really nice to have like like Glenn mentioned, it's nice to have someone come in where the drop off won't be as bad if someone gets injured or has to be rotated. Mm-hmm. It's something we haven't really had for a really long time now. I do I did like Bergwijn, um, and I think we might have underutilized him quite a bit, and I think we could have used him, used him a lot more and got, given a lot more chances to him. But I think it, it really shows like a change of direction for Spurs, and I know that this is what was being said at the beginning of the window that we were sort of going to change our approach, and I personally didn't believe it. But this just this, this it's our second what the second record signing. After end on a on a forward player, where a lot of people have said it, we didn't. In, in theory, we in, in the past we would spend that money on a starter, but the fact that we're doing this now for someone who he's not just going to be a bench player, he's going to be he's going to be heavily rotated because there's going to be more than enough minutes to go around this season. I'm really pleased that the club are going in a different direction and um, sort of paying attention to that forward
1: position because it's been it's definitely been neglected in the past few years. Is there an argument like just on that? Um, Cause I do agree that it is good to like essentially do what Liverpool and city do where you just, you bring in like great attacking players and you don't really think about are they going to start or whatnot. Um, something you've said very often, Eddie, I remember you were one of the first people to like really bang the drum for that on, on this podcast because I remember when you used to say, it, I used to think, well, you know, City of City, Chelsea, Chelsea, like they have sugar daddies. We can't really do that. Um, so in that sense, I guess that you're pleased, but is there an argument that maybe we should have focused on left centre back first if we were going to drop 60, 60
2: mil? I think um, the way that uh, Paratity works um, is that there's, we're, we're seeing this phrase that multiple plates spinning all at once. So I think, the search for uh, uh, an attacker would have coincided with the selling of Bergvine would have coincided with us looking for other transfer targets we didn't even know something and we'll go on to it later some that long lay was even on on the table um, and then suddenly it's like almost a done deal like I do think that it in this in this summer window there were like I'd say five positions that we were wanting to sign in and get rid of players in. Um, left centre-back was just clearly um, somewhat of a, uh, of a of a priority at the beginning of the window. Um, both wing-backs and then a centre-midfielder and uh, an attacker. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a striker or a winger, but it was certainly an attacker. And I think we did actually go out, first of all, to wrap up the left centre-back. I don't think that we neglected it or we moved on to the striker. I do think that we really did try early for Bastoni and it seemed to hit a brick wall. And rather than waste our time in trying to wrap it up before we move on to other players, because we do know that Chelsea were interested in Richarlison, Arsenal were interested in Richarlison. Um, I'm sure other clubs were also interested in Richarlison. So um, we do know that he was sought after by other clubs. And rather than potentially missing out on... Bastoni, and then mission out on Richarlison, it was better to, you know, put your money where your mouth is. And, you know, if that's the player that Conte's identifies, which it sounds like he has, then go out and get him. Like, do the, do the work, put the money on the table and, and get him. And I know we're not going to be able to do this every summer. And we're certainly not going to be able to do it more than like once or twice a, a, a summer. But I'm, I'm very pleased to see that we're doing it for someone with this like quality and someone that's already played in the Premier League, which is another big thing for, for us um, without sounding too, too Brexit, Brexit gav.
1: No, I I agree with that. um, With that playing in the Premier League um, point, because that is like a clear change in policy. And Yeah. yeah, it's, it's not, it's not Brexit gav at all because, you know, it's not like we're just going out exclusively for like English players. Like we've, we're now prepared to like pay a premium um for like proven Premier League quality players. Um Richarlison, obviously, and Basuma uh as well, who we will come on to um very shortly. But Eddie, one player you mentioned there, um, Gabriel Jesus, I mean, you must be heartbroken to miss out in, on the the best striker outside of Manchester City and Liverpool, according to uh, some some people.
2: You know what, Gabriel Jesus is, is so close. Was so close to being on my list of players that I hate, but he's not as bad as the other players.
0: <laughs> Judge,
2: right? If you know, you know, man. If you know, you know. But he's he's um he's so frustrating as a player. I think I would have been frustrated if he even came Spurs. Like, not to say that he's a bad player because I don't want to sound like sound like one of those. But like I do think, he, you know, Richarlison starts for Brazil, and that just that's that that just shows like. Uh, and not the fact not that sorry not
3: confident in Gabriel yeah. Jesus' position
2: exactly exactly and and the fact that um the uh, the uh the manager at the time was like asking Gabriel Jesus where he wants to play and he was like i don't know I, I don't mind like and he actually said yeah i prefer to play off the left that's not a striker to me or someone at least not confident in being a number 9 which i think you could see when he played for city because he would get like three or four golden chances a game and and miss quite a lot. And for Richardson to get maybe like ten less goals than him when playing at Watford and Everton compared to being played at playing at City with some of the best creators I've ever seen play football. Um, you know, I'm gonna sound like a a Spurs fan and Arsenal fan's gonna sound like an Arsenal fan, but I do think we've got the the better player there.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think even if you throw Rafinha in there, I think Rafinha is an absolutely brilliant player. But when you look at where he can play, it's pretty much just right wing. And we've got Kulusevski there. So to drop 60 million on, on Rafinha, as great as he is, I think that's it's still within the philosophy of what we said in terms of like you're building a lot of attackers and they can, they can all play. But with Richarlison, the fact that he can play up to three positions as you say, uh, Glenn, I think especially left wing and striker very well, then for me, it's just like, it's just a good signing. And I'm, I'm just very pleased uh, that it's gone through. Um, Yeah. Any last thoughts on Richarlison or should we just get into Basuma?
2: I think there's one thing I'm not interested to see is if we do play with like essentially three strikers, it it, harkens back to one of uh, Glenn's old uh, FM tactics playing three strikers. Like, it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool. I, I don't know if it... I, I think it sounds interesting on paper, uh, maybe not in execution, but it just goes to show like uh, although I don't rate Lucas particularly highly, I do think that we have four really, really good attackers now. And that can... Do you know what I mean? Like, with, with Mane gone for, for Liverpool now, I, I would say that they have four good attackers. I think, you know, City had... More than you can count, um, but like having a, having an attacking three is, is good. Having four attackers that are really good just gives you that extra dimension. And then also just like like Glenn said, competing for positions. I don't like the the best teams compete for positions. Like when Jota came into Liverpool, no one expected him to be displacing um, one of their front three, but he did that like so quickly as well. And then now you've got Diaz coming in. Like this is how you build competitive, like exciting, interesting teams, is when you you put good players under pressure by other good players. So yeah, I think it's I think it's a good sign and, and I think that's like it shows like the ambition and I think it shows like the, the plan that we've got for for our players in the next season.
1: Definitely. So that brings us on to Basuma then, who for me, um, probably the pick of the signings in, in a way, I think. I think uh, Basuma's potential is just crazy. I saw him um, in that game where we lost to Brighton 1-0. And honestly, like I think everyone in the crowd just came away just so impressed with just how dominant he was uh, on that day. And it wasn't just in a defensive sense, um, even though he is nominally a defensive midfielder, it was actually more so in like an attacking sense. Like the way he controlled that game was honestly scary. And it's been rare that I've actually seen midfielders come to White Hart Lane and actually play like that and actually grab the game. Um, he was just, no one could even get near him. And I can't say that I've watched like loads of Brighton apart from when we've played them. But both times we played them last season, he was unbelievable. Um Jed, what, what do you make of the, the Basuma sign? Yeah, man, I'm
0: I'm really gassed with Basuma, to be honest. I think he he's like, in terms of like stylistically, I think he's he's similar to what we have, but in, in another way, he's not. I think one thing we were really missing in midfield was just that, not necessarily phys- physicality, because I think we do have that in Hojbjerg. I think Skip's fairly physical, Benton Kerr too, but I think athletically... I think a lot of our midfielders can be pretty static and pretty slow. And Basuma's not that. He's he's very physically dominant in midfield. Um he covers so much ground. And I th- I, I actually have a feeling that Basuma is going to be what, almost what we expected Endon Bele to be, in the sense that he's someone who's very press resistant, comfortable with the ball and comfortable when under pressure. Um he's gonna give us a lot more defensive output than what than what Endon Bele ever has for us. Um and he's his passing, his passing's good. It is it is very good, don't get me wrong. I think his long range passing is very good. Um, and yeah, I think just in 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 that double pivot, whether it's going to be Benson Kerr or Hoybier, he's going to be able to sort of let them free up a little bit. Because we've seen Hoybier for Denmark when he pushes forward, he's actually, I think even since Conte, I think he's looked better going forward. Um, Benson Ker too. Towards the end of the season, he had a few nice moments where he was pushing forward and sort of contributing to some of the goals. So I think he's definitely going to allow them two to free up. Um, And again, it's just about having more competition for places. As we know, next next season, there's going to be loads of minutes to go around. And I think that four of Basuma, Benton, Goura, and Skip is is a really good um, mix of players to have. And I wouldn't be, unlike last season, where you would have Winks, Delhi, the um, Celso, Before the January window, obviously, we now genuinely have four very good options, and we don't have to worry about
2: who plays. I think that was a big difference. Sorry if anyone was about to pop in, but I think that's a difference. Like you know, when we're trying to control games or up the tempo, or or like even like keep games like within our management. The difference between bringing on drinks and now potentially bringing on like Hoibier or if Basuma doesn't start straight away, Basuma, or even Skip, like the, the golfing quality like that you have to bring on. Like this is this is what we've been like dying for, for like even since uh, when Poch was manager, like our first 11 has never truly been the issue. I haven't thought like maybe on the uh, Mourinho at, like the most, it was the issue, but I've never, I've never looked at our first 11 and thought, wow, this is like significantly worse than everyone around us. It's always been the fact that we just had no depth whatsoever. Like, like, like we've been saying on the group chat, we had like two Craigs on the bench for like, like half the season last season. We had like Reen or or we would have like Scarlett or we would have, who are obviously well-respected and, and, and our our, our youth, talents in our in our youth, but like they're not going to change the game. They're not they're not going to bring an added dimension. And the fact that we that we can now have players like Hojbjerg, Richarlison, a uh, few other players, depending on where the window goes, like on the bench to bring on, is like genuinely exciting and and will benefit us in because squad depth is going to be massive now that we're in Europe.
1: Yeah. And I, I think just just to add a little bit to Basuma, I think given the fact that Conte has committed to a 3 4 3, um, those center mids within that formation are just essentially their shuttlers. Like they're, they're there to just function in terms of like getting the stopping the ball for, uh, on attacks and being able to like shuttle the ball forward. In terms of at, a st- at the start of the window, I remember thinking like in terms of like the best person who could do that. I thought it's Basuma. and that's why I'm I'm like so excited for that and there was a few fans to be fair saying that they thought that we needed like a creative midfielder obviously we have missed out on Ericsson we found out today that he's going to Man United Um, and there was a few people saying that we should go for someone like Madison as well and I remember like when people were having those conversations especially around Madison I was I was just thinking like why are we going to drop like 50 60 million on a player where you essentially have to change your formation to play him when you can get someone like Basuma? I was thinking he was going to go for the same for for that kind of money. Um, I was I was just thinking if you are going to drop that money on a midfielder, then Basuma's part, he's just perfect for the Conte formation, I think.
3: Yeah. He's he's also he's also played in that formation for a very long time at Brighton as well. It's not, it's not like it's going to take him a very long time to adapt to this new way of playing. Brighton have played five at the back for a few, few few, years now. So it's it works in a sense that he can slot straight in. Not a lot of adapting to do. He's played over 100 Premier League games. Same as Richarlison. Richarlison's played like 170 Premier League games. These These players are ready-made Premier League players. They're not players that are going to need time to adapt. I think it was Pochettino a few years ago saying, in the second season, you'll see the players coming from abroad actually kicking on. When you get players that have played in the Premier League for so long, experienced Premier League players, you know that they're going to be able to slot straight into these teams and make an impact, which is what we need, because we've only got Conte for another 12 to 18 months. We need that instant impact. If if he's if he if he's going to stay longer, then fair enough. But he at the moment we need the instant impact to get trophies, and that's and and it looks like that's what Le, uh, Levy is actually providing this summer for the first time in since he's been at the club.
1: Is anyone worried about that? The fact that Conte's only got twelve months remaining on his contract now, and if. You're not worried, do you think it's going to get sorted by the end of the window? Do you think maybe we'll see a new contract for him? Jed, you're, you're shaking your head.
0: Yeah, I've sort of been thinking about this recently and I just think it's... Um, although we've sort of shown our side of the deal in terms of being ambitious, I think Conte might just want to see how the season pans out before he, he then commits his long-term future. Um, I think if we're on the right path, come October November time, I think he might be happy to sign another extension, maybe it'll be another two years or whatever.
3: But we have we have sorry, Jed, we have an yeah, option to extend him for another yeah, year. For, I forgot about yeah. that,
0: yeah. Um and if that's the case, then maybe maybe that's fine as it is. You get this season and another season out of Conte. And generally they, they do say that Conte's sort of shelf life at a club mm-hmm. is is three years. So if we can sort of we can sort of get these three years out of Conte. I think it, obviously we, we would like to win a trophy and I think he obviously wants to do that too. But for him, if he was, was to sign another extension, I know like you said, we got the option. Um, I think he, he would need to see like on-field progress as well. But as I said, we've we've shown our hand now and a lot of people are saying Conte does his best work when he feels heard. It, it seems as though he's, he's he's been heard. We've backed him. We're getting in exactly as he wants. Fair enough, we're going to get Bastonia. It was a difficult deal to do. But apart from that, it seems like we have got his main target. So it's almost down to him now to deliver.
1: Ivan Perisic, then. Um, seems like an age since we signed him. Um, right at the start of the window. We got that done super early. Um, and this is a guy who, from rival fans, it has attracted a bit of criticism with the fact that he is 33. Um But I think the facts kind of speak for themselves. The fact that Inter were pretty desperate to tie him down to a new contract. Um, If you look at the stats last season in the Serie A alone, he got eight goals and seven assists, which for a wing back, albeit in a slightly more attacking version uh, of of a three at the back formation um, for Inter, he got, uh, yeah, eight goals and seven assists. So that's pretty mad. Is there any worries at all about his age from you guys?
2: Um, I don't think so. I think, like, I, I personally, I think the, like, the comments about age now, um, they need to be revised because footballer just, footballers just have a longer shelf life. They just do. Like, even compared to footballers 10 years ago, like, not to, like, p- point out any players in particular, but, like, players like, I don't know, like Rooney, who burst onto the scene, like, they were done by, like, 32, like, 31, 32. Um, and footballers just have a longer shelf life these days. Like, you just look at, and I think this is in the running order, if you just look at um, Real Madrid's midfield, who have just won the Champions League, that midfield, like, the average age is, like, 32 or something. Do you know what I mean? And so, and and that's when we're talking about, like, central midfielders, like, they're, like, and and we're talking about Modric, who's, like, what, 36, 37. Um, and Kroos is in his, in his early 30s and Casemiro is in his 30s like and I don't think that they, they're they show, showing any signs of slowing down personally and if you look at players like obviously Ronaldo's a specimen but like if you look at loads of players a lot of these players are lasting well into their 30s and I think that if you look at even Perisic and we're bringing back to Perisic now he's having some of his best seasons um In his thirties, like coming into his thirties, he's probably been in the prime of his career, and I think that we're getting him at a very, very good point in his career now. Obviously, football is a strange sport in the sense that you can just kind of fall apart after a like within one year. Like we did, kind of see it with Vertonghen, um, where it just seemed like his and and Aldevarad as well, where they really slowed up like in within one season. You're thinking, what happened? Um, but I do think that footballers now um, do just have like a longer shelf life. So, yes, yeah, like 33 years old, especially for a position where you're bombing up and down the touchline. But I think he knows his body and he's intelligent. And I think that even if he use, loses a, a yard of pace, I do think he just has immense quality with the ball at his feet. And so I'm not particularly worried about his age. My
1: only slight worry is if Obviously, you mentioned that players can just suddenly fall off um, as if either that happens or he picks up an injury. And then you're relying on Brian Sesenyong as the only left wing back who has had an absolutely torrid time of injuries. Um, and in regard to that, do you think it would almost be avarice or, or reckless if we were to keep Reggie on and have three wing backs um, this season? Uh,
3: personally, I don't think it's a problem as much this this coming season if we sign a left centre back up because Davies can play there as well and Davies is always going to be there. Well or we've we've sort of guaranteed that he's been there for the last three seasons. He will be able to play left wing back if needs must. I think Region can bring in a decent fee as well if we're looking at maybe options later in the window, possibly someone like Guardiola, if we need to raise some money for someone like him or if Bastoni becomes available or if anyone else becomes available because i think there are surprise signings down the line that will become available that are too good to turn down and we may need some more money to get these signings and 30 million for Reguon would be a necessary amount to have and I think, uh, and I just don't think we get 30 million's worth of value from him being a third choice left wing back. Yeah,
0: that's true. I also think Kulazewski could really play there if we needed him to as well. Um, but I, I agree with your point. But I think we might have a hard time even regular on to be honest, because I think we might sort of overvalue him in a sense. I think one thing you're starting to see now, or not even starting to see, it's been apparent from the past few years since the pandemic's happened that while a lot of clubs in England still obviously have a lot of money um, you can see it by the sort of signings mid-table clubs are making they're still spending you see Southampton spending £15 million on an academy player from City who hasn't even made a Premier League appearance and there's teams like AC Milan who have literally just won the league in Serie A who probably couldn't even afford to pay us £20 million for someone like Regian. So I think that's That's the main problem at the moment in terms of selling these players to teams in Europe. And I think that's why you're also seeing a lot of teams in the Premier League dealing amongst each other. Like, for example, Sterling to Chelsea, if that goes ahead, Jesus to Arsenal. I just don't think there's much European money at the moment. Um, So I think we're going to have a hard time getting these players out, in whether it's this season, maybe even going into next summer too. Yeah. I think,
2: I think you can see that in like, even in some of like the the transfers in Europe, like the, the fact that some of these like uh, personally like really really interesting players are going for peanuts. Like the Gravenberg deal is insane to me that mm. that Bayern were able to buy him for thirty million when when Real Madrid's obviously admittedly a superpower spent a hundred million on on Chirmini. So I do think it's a weird market and like the. Teams that you would sell Regi onto might not have the money for him. I think
1: all the money is just going to Portugal. Some of the fees that they're getting for their players is just insane. Like in theory, they they should just be like swilling in, in money right now. Like um, what was it, hundred million for Darwin Nunez, um, forty million for Fabio Vieira from Arsenal? He hadn't even played that much for Porto. Those all guys are absolute masters of of getting money.
0: He's paying forty million for Vitina. Vitina from Porto as well. Oh yeah, he just consistently managed to fucking. I mean, I know they're good players. Some of these are good players, isn't it? But I just don't know. They've been doing this for years. Like Hulk, Falcao, all these, all these sort of players. They've been, yeah. They, they've been doing this for years. I don't know how they how they keep doing it.
1: Yeah, it's actually mad. Um and then also in regards to um like our wing back roster and the prospects of having like three wing backs. Potentially Jed Spence looks like it looks like he's coming in, but we've fought this for like the last like two months uh pretty much every week people say that the the fee is agreed and then they'll be like no, Daniel Levy's taken over negotiations. It's gone down to 15 million. The latest <laughs> I saw was the Evening Standard reporting that it's going to be 20 million fee, which to me Seems quite a lot. If we're saying that Region's going to go for, we're going to struggle to get 20 million for Reguillon and we're paying 20 million for a championship right back, albeit a very good one. Um, yeah, it's, there's going to be some pressure on his shoulders. Uh, do we think he's going to come in as, as a starter? I think
0: Doherty still starts if he's fit. Yeah. I think at, at, at the beginning anyway, I think Spence is definitely going to need an adjustment period to the league. Um, but there, there seems to be a theme with our signings. I think Spence is just about six foot. It seems that like we're really trying to make the squad a bit more physical and taller. Perisic on the other side, he's either six six foot or six one. Obviously, Basuma, I think he's six two. Richarlison, I don't think he's six foot, but he, again, he's another physical player. I think we just want a bit more height in the team and a bit more physicality because... Although I wouldn't say we we ever really got bullied under Conte, I feel like we might have been a bit of a soft touch in the past, and I think they really want to Conte really wants them all to buy into his system, and they want everyone to be a bit more, a bit more clever, um, a bit more physical, and just just hard to bully, because as I said in the past, it, it almost feels like we maybe have been.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think we've also really struggled uh, from set pieces. And we actually struggled from set pieces last year as well. Conte was uh, ranting about how, how poor we were from set pieces in so many games against Burnley and uh, Brighton and Brentford and these sorts of teams that their best chances will come from set pieces. Another signing that may go a bit under the radar is this set piece coach who we look to be bringing in and apparently he's... Unbelievable! He came in in January. One of his first jobs was like a struggling Italian team in the Serie A, and I think of their like sixty goals that season, like twenty-two of them were from set pieces. And then and they stayed up that year, and he's and he's had jobs as the Italy set piece coach, plenty of other teams as well. So he's got a great resume. I think this is something that. Conte really thinks we can get an edge in this year, and it and it sets you apart from other teams in the Premier League as well, defending and attacking set pieces.
1: Yeah, and we've we've been awful from set pieces for years as well. Like uh, <laughs> D- D- never Eddie, been, you've always you've always said it. You've always said it. And like
2: I've never been comfortable at a corner or or, or in swinging cross on the left hand side. You may, may as well be a goal, bro. May as well be a goal. And, like, it's both
1: offensively and defensively. Like, you think back to all the, the Ericsson not beating his first man from the corner. Like, that was uh, a meme among the the Tottenham fan base. And so, no, it's actually it's really good that we're finally getting it sorted out. Um, and also, just to add a little bit to what you said, Glenn, um, I saw there was a piece in Athletics saying that we were in, like, the bottom half of the Premier League for both set pieces offensively and defensively. So, it's, it's not just us noticing it. It's Born out in the statistics or um, you know it's uh pretty damn evident so yeah that's that's going to be an interesting signing it's not really one where you can get super excited about but
2: well, yeah, it's anyway. definitely
1: going to make a difference
2: mm.
1: i can <laughs> <laughs> i do tell you i am <laughs>
2: that's, that's 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 a signing straight out of book of glenn bro
1: yeah that's 100%. that's a me signing From what? From Football Manager, bro.
2: Have you ever seen? He's never signing a player below six foot, like no matter the position, unless they're an attacking midfielder.
1: So we're trying out this three striker formation that you mentioned, which apparently Glenn's pioneered on Football Manager. We're we're only signing big players, and we're bringing in set piece coaches. Like Glenn, is there something you got a little consultancy, bro? Half a bar, you know.
2: Yeah. Man, man, man said he stole his whole flow he did.
3: he is he's listening to man from the stands
2: <laughs> <laughs> just reminds me of that fa- West Ham fan He said Big Sam said why bringing on Hugo Maia you
1: know what? alright Eddie you got you got interrupted mid-flow there um, by the Zoom we really do need to uh, should we do a little GoFundMe to get a, a premium Zoom again? yeah I
2: think I the think n Team
1: pod yeah yeah Start a little Patreon.
2: Yeah, <laughs> what? Glen, Glen, Glenn doing up exclusive videos. FM,
1: FM tactics. Glenn's doing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh,
2: Glenn, Glenn's dropping a masterclass for thirty
0: nine ninety nine. Nigel Rio Poker over there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> surely, surely, you made enough in Vegas to fund, fund the, fund the Zoom chats, man.
1: Mm. Come yeah. on. Mm, mm. he he doesn't want to talk about his (laughs) Vegas trip (laughs) prefers not to speak yeah I prefer not to speak on
2: that
1: one so so Eddie you came with a little exclusive um, just when the the Zoom ran out that Clement Longley is nearly done to Spurs Um, I think it's it's kind of fair to say that it's a bit uh, underwhelming uh, I don't think anyone's gonna be doing any cartwheels down the down the high road over long lake. Okay, but maybe. yeah, maybe, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> he's finally out of that nightmare, the new camp. But the one thing I would say is that um the the kind of rhetoric around it is like exactly what it was like when we signed ben Tanker and Kurosky. So, you know, I'm not confident in it being a great sign-in, but Look at what happened with those two. So, you know, it could be good. And he's not—he's clearly he's not going to start. Is he? He's—he's he's a backup. So,
0: yeah. I hope, <laughs> hope not.
1: Jed, your face was kind of saying maybe, maybe he will.
0: No, I—I I mean, it's not like I have any inside knowledge in it. But I just—I don't know. I—I I, I would hope he wouldn't start. Um, in fact, I hope—I hope they don't see him as backup for Davis. To be honest. I hope they see him as backup for Dier more than anything because I think in terms of his, just just his defensive ability, I think putting him on that left-hand side might expose him a bit. I think playing him in the centre where he can just sort of sit and sweep up um, and sort of use his passing ability because he is a very good passer, um, very comfortable on the ball, good long passing game, very good short passing game too. Um, I think the central world probably suits him better. But again, I think Dyer's is probably better defensively and also a very good passer in his own right too. So I think as long as he's not getting too many games because I've been hearing he's he's an absolute car crash defensively. <laughs>
2: um, Man gives penalties for free. <laughs>
0: yeah. Apparently I heard something that he was like the only guy to give an own goal, um, get a red card, give away bare penalties and something else. <laughs> season or something like that um, but Cosmo has a point the it was the same narrative surrounding Kulicevsky and Benton he was very good when he was at Sevilla um, and sometimes players just need a change of scenery <laughs> <Some> <laughs>
1: group, <some> yeah <laughs> I'm glad you came back to me as the voice of optimism because any optimism I had, had had just been absolutely destroyed
2: by what you just said
1: Oh, no, look, Conte might
0: be able to revive a minute, it? and it's only a little <laughs> of No, Eddie, turn your, camera turn your camera off. I can't see this. Guy. Hopefully,
1: Conte can bring something out of him. It's you... only a... <laughs> You
2: just described Spalachi, <laughs> <you>, bruv.
1: <laughs> oh, my God. The parallels are there, though. The parallels are there. Aww. Dodgy French centre back. <laughs> trusting, trusting Conte. That's all I'm saying. Trusting Conte. Yeah, i as well. I,
2: I, I think, um, I think if, <laughs> I think if Conte, <laughs> sorry, I think if Conte was in contact with him, then he must see something there that he wants to work. With. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, I'm just getting flashbacks to him trying to sign Peter Crouch, Ashley Barnes, and <laughs> who else was he trying to get in? Andy, Andy Powell. Powell. I <laughs> no, what the fuck was that about, man?
0: Chelsea,
2: you also I- so drink he to drink water and Bakayoko.
0: <laughs> Bakayoko was good. That's
2: the
1: thing. <laughs> yeah. I think it's at not- that point, I think by the strike, by the time of the striker signings, he was oh. trying to destroy them from the inside, though.
2: <laughs> <That's> <laughs> what-
1: and that is exactly the kind of thing he would do. Uh,
2: okay, I'm really sorry, but like, yeah, I think I think if you see something. <laughs> Did
0: he have to comply with FFP or something Sometimes, times? Because why is Peter Crouch and Ashley
1: Barnes being linked to Chelsea? <laughs> nah, he just got obsessed with this idea of getting a big strike rate. He just got absolutely obsessed with it. It's like yeah. when you do a filter on Football Manager and you just look for people like over six foot.
2: It's Dosfield all the time! <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. Bro, he's copied me for bar
3: for bar. He's doing <laughs> it again. <laughs>
2: I think if we see something in Longway that he wants to work with, then by all means, it could turn out to be a good like a, a good addition. I don't think he's the the left the left side of centre back that you know our priorities are about. So yeah, I think personally, if we can't make a a a, a good signing like in in the near future, then it might just be worth tidying over until next season. Maybe.
1: We'll have to see. And to be fair, central centre-back was a problem when Dier was out last year because we had to move Romero there and then you had Sanchez on the right and it it did cause problems for us. I mean, Sanchez did do well towards the end of the season when Romero was out, but yeah, it's all like a, it's a bit of a chain reaction. So, I think it's good. It's good to have that covered. Um, Poor Fraser Forster relegated right to the bottom of the uh, running order. But I mean, you know he's a backup keeper, it's probably an improvement on Galini.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah, yeah. This that doesn't take up the spot that um Galini would have in a European uh squad and and it looks like we're struggling to um sell the European or the non-home homegrown players. It looks like at the moment in the squad we've got twenty-three of the um what was it, 17. Non homegrown players that we can have in the European squad, with Eric Dyer being one. Still to this day, I don't understand that, but is what it is. Um, yeah, I think we're going to have to we're going to have to sell a lot of the non homegrown players, and uh, and having not taken one up with a backup keeper, I think is just makes sense. Yeah, I think all the goalkeepers we were looking
2: at were English. So I think that was definitely the idea and we've we've managed to like get that sorted and wrapped up fairly quickly, which is good.
1: Where did um where did Sam Johnston go out of interest? Alice. Oh. Is he gonna start yeah, for them?
2: Yeah. Dean Henderson's gone to uh Middlesbrough. No, Nottingham. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Pokemon's gone to
1: Newcastle. Oh, yeah, Pope Pokemon, Newcastle, Zoe,
0: yeah. Yeah. all the the English keepers on the move and we were looking we were discussing Pickford as well apparently yeah apparently
1: that might happen next summer so we'll see that
0: that will eventually happen and the content as well I feel like it should happen
1: yeah I mean I don't mind Pickford as much as a lot of people do We'll, we'll see um we'll see Glenn's Glenn's making a horrified face but uh yeah I think we're we're pretty much out of time um would have been nice to discuss the outgoings but we'll do another episode I'm sure um once we get a few more sign-ins over the line and we'll probably discuss it in that because boy do we need to cull that squad uh, as Glenn said because
0: Absolutely. I, I, I
1: saw people coming back that I I forgot ever played for us man like yeah. to see Lo Celso's face again it just oh, it, it, hated, it, yeah. it, it triggered me man I hate. I, I I very rarely actually hate a player that plays for Spurs, but Celso, Something about him just just rubs me the wrong way, man. First, it,
0: first year in a long time. Cameron Vickers won't be here this summer.
1: I know. Will we even win a game time? in pre season? Without...
0: times, I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Good luck to him, though. Good luck to him. I'm happy for him. Eddie, you're you shouting, but you're on
2: mute. Oh. I said, be sad. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I'm happy for him. I'm happy feels very,
1: very, very emotional about Cabrick Hart is clearly, all oh, right, he's gone back onto mute again. You can't even bear to speak. Um, <laughs> let's, let's just let's just wrap it there.
2: Start I'm about to start creation, that's why.
1: <laughs> all right, let's let's wrap it there. Um, thank you for listening. As always, um, leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts, give us a five star on Spotify and follow N17Pod across all the socials to be updated when we release that episode. Um, I've been Cosmo. I've been joined by Eddie. Yo, yo, I've been joined by Jed. Oh. Glenn's got his camera off. don't know what he's doing, but we've also been joined by Glenn. So... Safe. <laughs> it's very ominous. It's very ominous. I don't know what you're That's doing. That's kind of like
2: one of the one of the anonymous interviews. Yeah,
3: like... yeah Wi-Fi dropped. Wi Fi dropped. So I had to turn hotspot on. <laughs> hotspot I had to be done real quick. All, right I, all heard,
2: right. I heard certain man's ITV turn on. Not me, but certainly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs>